Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Hello, good morning, Living Stones. Big, big crowd today. That's quite, that's very exciting. Nice to see so many folks here. And I, I don't know, uh, I don't know about you, but I've been quite encouraged over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm quite an early bird. I'm up at like, I don't know, 6.30 or whatever every morning. And just this last couple of weeks, it started being a lot brighter in the morning. In fact, there's been some amazing um, sunrises. Yeah, like the whole, the whole of like Gore Park Road's been like, almost like a pinky kind of sky, which has been really nice. But I, I don't know about you, and I know some people definitely are not early birds. I look at my wife as I say that. Um, I find it so encouraging that we're like emerging from this darkness of winter where like it feels like you only get about three hours of daylight and then there's this new light and this new hope emerging. And I find that, yeah, I find that huge, a huge encouragement and it gave me a something to think about what's coming up and um, perhaps for some of our younger people, any ideas, something that's happening this week that will be of interest to us? Thank you, May. And she didn't say pancake day, so that's my joke. Uh, my first joke already down the pan, but not to worry. <laughs> da- down the pancake. Um, so, yes, yeah, Shrove Tuesday came up. And then what's that followed by? Ash Wednesday, exactly. The start of Lent and time to prepare our hearts uh, ahead of Easter. I think 46 days until Easter um, before then. And remembering uh, Jesus' time in the wilderness as he prepared um, himself for what was to come as well. And so from Wednesday, people will be giving stuff up, which um, I know that others... Jess, you, you, what did you give? You gave something up for Lent last year, didn't you? What did you give up for Lent last year? Yeah. Didn't you? I'm sure you did. You, you said... I saw it was like... You said, oh, I've, yeah, maybe you said you were and you didn't. I was, think, I was thinking, what? Well, <laughs> was it the year before? Oh, okay. Well, well done for that year. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was thinking of giving up the Albion for Lent uh, after yesterday, but I don't know that I will. I talked, to, I talked to Kaz about giving up meat for Lent, and she said I could cook my own dinners. So I'm not, not doing um, particularly well at the moment. But it is, it is an opportunity to um, prepare our hearts for what's to come. And I just wanted to read uh, from Psalm 33, if I can find it. And I can't, because our very talented Sean has come in and changed all of our internet stuff around. So <laughs> that's all right. I will do it off my phone instead. So Psalm 33, uh, verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And I think it's really important to hold on to that hope today um, and as we go ahead over the next uh, six or seven weeks. Uh, I'll pray for our morning together, and then I'll ask Ellie if she would lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are among us. Thank you that we are here today. We made an active decision, every single one of us this morning, to get up, get out of bed, get ready, and get here. And Lord, thank you that, well, you were all around us anyway, but thank you, Lord, that you met us here. And Father, I pray for our time together today. It will be a time of um, challenge, a time of interest, but also a time of peace and a time of comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Ellie, over to you. Good morning, everyone. Um, 
So this morning, as I was thinking about worship, um, uh, wanted to sing. I often just come up with a song that I really want to sing. Um, so um, this morning I felt like Amazing Grace. I think I want to sing Amazing Grace this morning. And there's, uh, there is tons in Amazing Grace about what God has done um, for us. Um, so let's worship God this morning and thanking him for the things he's done for us in our lives. Um, come and hear. Psalm 66 says, come and hear all you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth. And he was exalted with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So let's sing Amazing Grace. Thank you, Father, for all the things you have done for us. There are so many. Let's, let's um, raise our voices and declare what God has done for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Yes, Lord, this is what you've done for us. You've, uh, you've, you've lifted out of sinking sand, um, and our lives are on concrete, solid, firm foundations. Um, we cannot falter. There is nothing that can separate us from your love. Thank you, Father. Amen. Give a family to the family-less. There are people who've got very small families or no family at all. And Father, because we're your child, that means that we've got brothers and sisters all over the world. Um, Father, thank you. Thank you for your family. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Amelie, as well. I'm really glad we started with Amazing Grace. Um, yeah, when we sing that song, I often think of one of the other songs that we uh, that we sing sometimes. And it, I can't remember the words or exactly how it goes, but there's a line in there. It's like, Lord, if you marked our transgressions, who would stand? And it's true, right? Like, for all of us, def definitely me, particularly me. Um, and yet, the Lord has this grace that covers all of us. And so often, you, um, when you think about getting what you didn't deserve, it's often a negative thing, right? I certainly felt like that at five o'clock yesterday afternoon. And but, it, but it's true. Like it's, it's the, the connotation is like, oh, you didn't deserve that. You d you're a good person. You didn't deserve that to happen to you. But this is a good thing. This is like grace that we don't deserve covering us, all of us, all the time. And that's such a, a blessing. Um, Family time. Ellie, you're back. <laughs> so I thought I'd try and give you a little break. I was <laughs> just actually thinking, Rob, that maybe you live your life a bit too vicariously through football. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. A little bit. <laughs> uh, 
that was a big word. <laughs> right, again, hello, my name's Ellie. <laughs> Welcome. Is there anyone who doesn't know me? I think most people I've met and said hello to. He doesn't know any, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he's still finding out. Oh, dear. Okay, so in, in our family time at the moment, we're looking at um, uh, different characters in the Bible, ones that perhaps we don't study quite so often. You might have heard of them, but, you know, we don't, we always, they're kind of like sidekick characters rather than the, the main deal. Um, so, uh, la I don't know who was last week or the week before because I wasn't here. Who was la Who did you do last week, Justin? Who? Oh, Ehud. I don't know. Even know. I should have been here. I don't know who Ehud is. Okay, so um, so as you, as you can see, random random characters of the Bible. And what can we learn from them? What did they do? What were their uh, beliefs, faiths, um, uh, and what can we learn from them? So um, today we're going to be looking at Mordecai. And whenever I think of Mordecai, I think. Um, he comes from the book of Esther, so he's like Esther's uncle or cousin, um, and he's brought her up um, because she's got no mum or dad. Um, and whenever I think of Mordecai, I just think what an awesome name that is. It's kind of up there with Merlin, Gandalf, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Mordecai. It's definitely one of those names, isn't it? I should have called it, well, we didn't have a boy, but maybe that could have been an option. May Mordecai White, no? <laughs> You quite like that, do you? Okay. <laughs> Megatron. No, maybe not. Okay, but Mordecai wasn't a wizard. Um, although he did end up becoming the Grand Vizier, like the, 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 the advisor, Vizier, I think probably comes from the word advisor, to the king of Persia. And the Persian Empire stretched from Ethiopia to India. Huge. That's like almost the width of Russia, if not more. It's like 50,000 Great Britons. It's, it's a huge empire. It was massive. And Mordecai ends up becoming this, this the visor to the king of that, of that whole area. Um, and the, the city where they lived was Susa, which is um, um, modern-day Iran. So that was kind of like the where, the, where the capital was in, in Iran. Okay. It was full of lots of different peoples and different languages and different religions. And the Persians were particularly good at allowing people to keep their own language. Um, they had, he had, the, uh, the king had like tons of uh, servants that would be able to speak all the different languages of the nation. So if he wanted to send out a proclamation, he would get all of them, all the languages, and he would give it and they would write it in the language. And then it would go off to all the different places. So you didn't have to change your language to be a Persian. Uh, and you didn't have to change your religion either. You could worship whoever you wanted, which is why, um, uh, which is why, when Persia conquered Babylon, um, he allowed the Jews to go back to Babylon. So why were there Jews in Persia? Because they had their own land, the Promised Land, the Canaan. Like Moses took them there. Surely that's where they should be. But they weren't. They were scattered all over the place. Why? Because the Babylonian king conquered them and took them off as slaves, um, and then but then seventy years later the Persians overtook the Babylonians, 
and they were a bit more liberal, so they let the Jews go back home again if they wanted to. But obviously, not all of them did. Some of them did. And we read about Nehemiah and Ezra, who did. But uh, Mordecai and Esther didn't. They, st they were obviously happy where they were. They'd, they'd built lives for themselves. Um, and so Mordecai and Esther were living in this huge, great, big, important capital of most of the world at the time. Um, and uh, God had a plan. So, done that bit. Tick. Uh, oh, yes, God wanted to show that he protects his people wherever they are, not just in the land that he's given them. Uh, a nation is not really an area of land, is it? It's the, it's the people. Um, and Mordecai is who God used to protect his people. So we're going to watch the story of Esther and Mordecai. And because it's really the story of Esther, Mordecai is the sidekick, it kind of talks more about Esther than Mordecai. But I will talk about Mordecai afterwards. So, we don't hear masses about Mordecai in this, um, and, uh, but there are lots of things that we can learn from him. Uh, he was kind. He took in his, um, his cousin, um, who didn't have a family, and he brought her up as if she were his own, and he loved her. Um, and uh, he was wise. He it doesn't say in the story, but he told her not to mention that she was a Jew. I don't know why he... We don't really know why he did that, I think... Um, he just probably knew gut instinct that it, just don't mention it. But he also knew that, like, if Esther was the queen, wow, that would be amazing for the Jewish nation if they had a Jewish queen. Um, so he was wise. He was kind. Um, he uh, he knew that she was going to do something amazing for their nation. He was active. He hung around the gates. He was always looking out for Esther trying to find out news. She had to wait a year before she was seen by the king um, as one of these single, all the single ladies. I just had to do that. Um, so all the single ladies had to get ready. They had to take a year to get them their bodies ready with oils and perfumes and beautifying things, hair dye maybe, wigs, I don't know. Um, and then they were presented to the king after a year. So, and he hung around every day. Well, I don't know, actually, I don't know if it says every day. Maybe I'm misquoting that. But he hung around and asked after her it, constantly to check she was okay. Um, so he was active, and that's why he overheard this assassination plot, because he was there. He was in the moment. He was always where the action was. Um, so we can learn that from him. But there's one thing that really struck me in his actions that I haven't mentioned that I think I'd quite like us to take away today and copy in our own lives. So I'm just going to do a quick quiz um, that will illustrate that, and then we can carry on with the service. I, would, I do need all the children, though, to be in the middle because I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to go that side for if you think the answer's that or if you would do that and you can go that side if you think the answer is that one. But you need to start off in the middle. So anyone at, you know, junior school age will do. They're really easy questions, really, don't worry. You're going to know the right answer, I promise you. Okay, so, 
I've come up with some kind of modern day examples of some of the things that Mordecai did and two different ways that you could behave. Okay, and I want you to kind of think now, what would Mordecai have done in this situation? So, are you ready? Your friend and you are in a football team and your friend has been chosen to try out for a better team. Do you? Is this Mordecai? So that side, if you would have a strop and tell them that you won't be their friend if they join the other team. Or this side, tell them to go for it. You'll support them and you'll watch all the matches if they get in. So go that side or that side. <laughs> Excellent. Good, 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 good. Right. So... Next question, you can stay there for this one. Your friend, are you listening? Your friend has won a scholarship. Do you know what a scholarship is? It's kind of like a special prize. Your friend has won a scholarship to go to the best school in the country with all the newest equipment. They are scared to go where they will know no. Do you, this side, do you feel jealous that you didn't get a scholarship? and just leave them to it? Or do you message them every day and make sure they're not feeling lonely? <laughs> Jess is too jealous. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one more, one more. You've, you have managed to save someone in your school from a nasty prank because you overheard the bullies talking about it. You told your friend, who then told the teacher, your friend gets an award for braveness. Do you, this side, get really sulky and ignore your friend because you should be the one getting the award, or be really pleased for your friend and even more pleased that the bullies didn't get away with it? <laughs> We've got some sulky kids here who don't like it, who don't want to support their friends, <laughs> who aren't happy when others achieve things. Children. They're honest. Tabitha, you can be my friend. <laughs> right, go sit down. Well done. Mordecai was like all the good answers in this quiz. He didn't want fame or money or power. He didn't want glory for revealing the assassination plot. He wanted Esther looked after and supported her through it all. His humble attitude was what God could use. Um, when we encourage others, God can use us. He doesn't want us to be proud and want glory for ourselves. Um, Haman was completely the opposite. He, he was just like all those sulky, ridiculous, silly answers. Um, and it didn't end well for him. So I felt like that's definitely something we can learn from Mordecai this morning. Um, I've got a prayer. Would one of you, Jess, would you read it for me? Is that all right? It's right here. You, it's big letters because I've got bad eyesight, so you'll be able to read it clearly. Dear Father God, Thank you that Mordecai, who loved Esther and helped and encouraged her, wanting no glory for himself. Help us to remember to encourage others 
and be glad for them when they succeed. Help us to have a humble heart that God can use for his glory. Amen. 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 The end. Thank, thank you, Ellie. Thank you for chiding me about talking about football all the time. I was trying to think of a cricket joke while I was over there, but I was stumped, so I'm not going to do that. Oy, tennis joke. Oh, dear, I couldn't. I, what, what are there jokes about tennis? What do, you, what do you call a woman who stands in the middle of a tennis court? Annette? I don't know. There you go. Look at that. It's just, coming, it's just coming out really fast. Right, enough of that. Uh, we had a birthday this week, and I'm staring at the birthday boy and Sonic the Hedgehog. Thomas, would you like to come up? We'd love to see you, and we'd love to wish you happy birthday. Now, remind me, let's go forward a little bit, actually, so that everyone can see you and Sonic. Was that one of your presents? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how old were you? Twelve? Seven. Seven. Oh, I was only five years out. Okay. And did you have a lovely birthday? Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. Good news. I'm going to ask Jeanette to come and pray for you, and then after that, the best bit, well, second best bit, you get to sing happy birthday to you. Father, I thank you for Thomas. I thank you that you have kept him safe and in a loving family and in a loving church family too, Lord. I pray that this year as he enters his eighth year that he will begin to learn more about you as his heavenly father and more about you, Lord Jesus, as his saviour, as his Lord, as the one whom he can turn to at all times. So, Father, continue to guide Thomas, give him a love for your word and a love for you. Amen. Okay. Thomas, are you ready? I'm going to turn the mic off so it's not too bad, and then we'll start. Okay, so we've come to uh, time for uh, children and young people to come and take communion. Now, I know that all of our children and young people are pretty smart and they know what we're going to do now. They know that at the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. They also know that he poured the wine and said, this is my blood spilt for you. You know, They know all of these things and they will come to the table and they will take the bread and they will drink the fruit juice, I hope. Um, but here's a challenge, kids. So this, this, I know that you know that when we come to this on a Sunday, on a communion Sunday, you know why we're doing it. But then maybe like, you know, you go out of here and then you perhaps go and play sport or on iPads in my kid's case, or 
you go to school or whatever, and sometimes it just kind of like slips away. But I challenge you this week just to remember when maybe when you're eating your pancakes on Tuesday or maybe on Wednesday when you're at school, just remember this moment and remember coming forward to take communion together, young people, and just just have that in your mind. You don't necessarily have to do anything. I mean, it'd be good if you would if you would pray, just pray a prayer of thanks in your in your head or somewhere quiet. You don't necessarily have to stand up in front of all your classmates and do it. But just take that moment to remember what we're doing now. It'll only have been three or four days ago, so I hope you're able to do that. So I'll um, pray for the kids now, then I'll break the bread, and then uh, children and young people, if you want to come forward and uh, with your parents or carers and take communion. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did uh, on the cross. And Lord, it wasn't just for me, it wasn't just for anybody, it was for everybody. And from the oldest to the youngest, throughout the generations, Lord, the, the sacrifice that you made for us um, reverberates through the generations. And Lord, uh, as our children and young people uh, come to take communion now, Lord, would you uh, be working in them, working on them? Would you be perfecting them in your image? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, children and young people, if you'd like to come forward. Okay, just uh, before the children go out with Justin, we've got our uh, children's collection. Um, so the money that the children uh, donate every week goes to, they're not, oh, there they are. Yep, Deo, Francis, and Angela, uh, three young people that we support in uh, Kabubu in Uganda. Um, so children, if you'd like to come forward and bring your um, offerings now, that would be great. And whilst they're doing that, I'll also send this round as well thanks alex please if you're a regular please uh, give if you if you can if you're a guest please uh, definitely do not feel 
uh, compelled to give. Just you put that in there. Okay, I'll pray for our young people as they go. Lord, thank you that uh, children have such an important place in your church. And thank you. An example to us of how we can live lives that are uh, rooted in the wonder of you. And Lord, as they um, go with Justin now, Father, I pray, Lord, that they will have uh, fresh insights, fresh ideas, and a really clear perspective and understanding of you and their place with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I do a notice before I disappear? Uh, as Rob said, it's 46 days to Easter, which means it's about 43 days or 42 days to the start of Holiday Club. Uh, we have got flyers, which are available this morning. Uh, we have got registration forms. Last year, we had 27 kids through Holiday Club, which is the biggest we've ever been. So we need prayer that we can have the same sorts of numbers, because we never know. Um, I need a team of people who are prepared to come. It's four mornings, Monday the 3rd of April to Thursday the 6th of April, uh, which is the first week of the Easter holidays. Uh, this year, we are looking at people in the Bible who are groundbreakers. Um, this is the one I wrote or adapted for COVID, which got cancelled. So I'm working my way back through it. If you know a family who you'd like to invite them to come along to, please do. Um, like I say, kids. we are, have permission to write back to, I think, 22 of those to invite them back. Most of them had no contact with our Sunday work who came. Um, so please be praying. Please be praying if you can give up a morning to come and have some fun, some dancing, play some games, do a craft. Uh, we don't ask any more than that. All the heavy liftings will be done by then. So, Holiday Club is coming. Please be praying. Right, okay. Looks like everybody's uh, got the required coffee. Um, just a couple of notices before uh, Paul comes and speaks to us. So, uh, in the new sheet, which uh, came around on Friday, uh, the Monday testimony this week is a chap called John Hardiman, who is a mortgage advisor and a radio host. I'm not sure how those two things necessarily combine, but he um, he runs uh, radio shows and radio um, and podcasts in uh, Texas, in the US. And yeah, he's speaking on the Monday testimony, and you can find the details. Oops, you can find the details in the newsletter. How to join? Um, Tonight at uh, 6.30, there's a prayer evening at Suncoast Church. Uh, this is the next in the series of uh, Prayer for Eastbourne, and that follows up to the event that was held at King's uh, about three or four weeks ago. And then another thing, on your tables, you'll see um, flyers for uh, Pastor Sunil, who is going to be speaking on Wednesday at uh, Hope Baptist and then next Sunday at Suncoast as well. He apparently has an extremely uh, interesting healing ministry. So if that's something that you'd like to go and see uh, or go and uh, hear him speak, then that's uh, free entry and free to go along. And I'm sure um, both fellowships would be glad of the uh, support.
Okay, I think that's it on notices, except for the lunch. Sue, is there lunch today? She's nodding, but not at me. <laughs> Sue, have we got church lunch today? Yes, brilliant. I thought we would, but I didn't want to be too sure. <laughs> Great. Okay, Paul's going to come and uh, speak to us now. I'll just pray for Paul. Father, thank you for Paul. Thank you, Lord, for his um, diligence and insight when it comes to your word. And thank you, Lord, for how he uh, brings that to us in clear, sharp sentences that we can remember. And Lord, I pray that uh, the words that come from Paul today will be spirit-filled words that will fall uh, on our ears. And Lord, we will be um, challenged, provoked, comforted. And Lord, it will help understanding of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. My on. Yes, there we are. I can hear myself echoing around the place. Good morning, my name's Paul. Most of you know me. Um, and uh, I'm invited to speak occasion. I have spoken before, uh, so something must have, have, have gone right uh, that I've been invited back. Uh, and later on this morning, uh, we're going to share communion uh, together. Uh, some denominations use the word Eucharist uh, for this, uh, this particular uh, event, uh, this part of the service. And the word Eucharist comes from a Greek word, I'm not a Greek scholar, I looked this up, uh, Eucharistia, and that means thanksgiving. So this morning I just wanted to bring a few thoughts uh, on being thankful. Now, a few weeks ago, Martin shared very honestly about his disappointment uh, in not seeing what he thought was a clear promise of God to him being fulfilled. Uh, and so with his example, I thought I might share uh, with you this morning a personal struggle that I, I have. And some might see this as, as a flaw in my otherwise exemplary personality. Uh, <laughs> Uh, gosh, Paul, I can't believe that, I hear you gasp. <laughs> what could that possibly be? Well, I'm sure it's not unique to me, but, but I've always struggled with being appreciated, being, being valued in its simplest form, being thanked. Have people noticed what I've done, and have they made it really clear how much they're, they're grateful have they any idea how long I spent repairing that ornament for them? Or how I went beyond the call of duty when I drove 10 miles out of my way to save this person waiting in the rain uh, for a bus? And as I've grown older, I thought I've, I've grown out of this. I, I told myself, come on, it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't matter if I didn't get a thank you letter from the grandkids for their birthday gift. Or, or someone simply said, oh, thanks, when what I really wanted to hear was, Paul, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the time and effort and skill you've put into that. I don't know anyone else who could have done that. <laughs> it's pathetic, isn't it? Isn't it pathetic? There's that prayer, isn't there, by um, St. Saint, Saint Ignatius of Loola that goes, Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for any reward save that we know we do your will. 
In other words, if we're doing God's will, that should be enough. We don't need to seek for man's gratitude or appreciation. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. But you know, it's still there. Maybe you feel it, feel it too. The other day, I, I felt it when I waited to let the oncoming motorist go through the gap, even though technically it was my right of way, the vehicles were parked on his side, it just sailed through without any acknowledgement. Wasn't that, an, I, was, I was irritated by that. Isn't that stupid? Because he hadn't thanked me for, for what I'd done. And, and, and let me tell you something else. As, as this happened only a couple of weeks ago. I was walking up on the downs on, on my own, and, and I saw a few yards off the path what I thought looked, was a dead sheep. It was, it was lying on its back, one leg in the air, uh, and, and uh, I, I had seen a, a sheep in, in distress on the downs before, and I phoned the, the farmer to, to tell him. Uh, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll just go across and, and look at the sheep and see if it is, in fact, on, it, on its uh, last legs, literally. Um, and uh, as I approached, it started thrashing around. It clearly wasn't dead. Uh, but it was stuck on its back and couldn't get up. Um, and, and I knew that a sheep that's like that can die quite quickly. Uh, they don't take very long. Um, so there was another, the, uh, another walker came along and, and I hailed him and we, we went across to this sheep and we heaved it up onto its feet and off it trotted. Now, while I didn't expect the sheep to express its gratitude, <laughs> I, the, the thought did come into my mind, should I phone the farmer and tell him we've just saved the life of one of his ewes? and receive his, his, his gratitude and his great thanks. Otherwise, that brave deed of ours would, would never be recognized by anyone other than the sheep. And I, and I had to challenge myself. Did it matter? Of course not. Of course not. It didn't matter that, that he knew that we'd turfed one of his, of his sheep back onto its feet. We'd, we'd done it not for any reward, but because it needed doing. The sheep needed help to save its life, and we were able to do it. I wonder if we can see some, some parallels here. Are we sometimes a bit like that stranded sheep? We're not quite dead, but we're lying on our back with our legs in the air, unable to help ourselves. And along comes God, looking for the lost lamb, and just heaves us back on our feet. Off you go, he says. There's a fresh start. Can I suggest that our Eucharist is a time when we can be profoundly grateful and express our thanks to the God who never leaves us but comes with love and mercy and tenderness and rescues us from certain death. Now, of course, there's two sides to this business. One is being the person that feels they should be thanked and the other side is being the person who should be doing the thanking. And I couldn't find many verses in the Bible that encourage us specifically to say thank you to one another for, for deeds of kindness. 
um, in Thessalonians it says, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And Ephesians uh, chapter 4 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And in Leviticus it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against one of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. That's Leviticus. And finally then in Romans we read, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. And our, our saying thank you uh, could be seen as part of the way we love one another and encourage and build one another up. Perhaps the, the best known story uh, about being thankful is the one about the ten lepers that we re read in, in Luke chapter 17. And uh, if you want to follow this in the Bibles that you've got on the tables, do Luke chapter 17, uh, verses 11 to, to 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten men cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now we need to remember that leprosy was a devastating disease in, in those times. Um, it was like a death sentence really, there was no cure. It affected mainly the skin and the nervous system such that um, normal uh, the normal pain response to, to having a cut or, or injuring yourself it wasn't there. And so cuts and, and burns were common and, and they created damage, physical damage, uh, before it was even noticed. Um, and it was disfiguring and, and lepers were cast out from their communities. They had to keep a distance from anyone else. Uh, hence the, the bit they stood at a distance, that it says in the story. Uh, and they gathered together in groups for, for mutual support and, and survived on scraps that were left out for them or, or on, they found on, on village waste dumps. And then one of our ten had a double whammy because he was a Samaritan. Already scorned and shunned by society for, for that, quite apart from having leprosy. And so uh, Luke tells us they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that they didn't say, Jesus, Master, heal us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I sometimes wonder if we're too quick to tell God what he needs to do for us, rather than simply cry out and see what he will do if we're willing to hear him and obey. That was an interesting little part of that story. Anyway, notice uh, Jesus' reply, go show yourself to the priests. Go show yourself to the priests. No declaration of healing, no command to leave, lead changed lives, no, no bargain making. Well, if you promise to renounce the evil in your lives, I will heal you. Simply, go show yourself to the priests. And in Leviticus, we read a very detailed procedure to be followed by anyone that had been healed of an infectious disease so that they could be ceremonially cleansed and could be accepted back into society. The priest didn't perform the healing. He merely confirmed it had happened and performed the ceremonies. And in, in Mark, we read of another man healed by Jesus of his leprosy, and Jesus commands himself, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So here they are, the ten men, and uh, they were told to go and present themselves to the priests, who would only want to see them if they were, if they were healed. Now here's a question. How many of the ten men had faith that they would be healed? How many of them had faith? Go on. All of them. All ten. Because the Bible doesn't say, well, six went and the other four stayed back because they didn't believe it. They all went. And we don't know whether the, the healing was instantaneous or whether it happened in the course of their journey to see the priest. But can you imagine their excitement as, as they began, as they looked at, at their scar-damaged, deformed bodies and found themselves instead looking at, at fresh new skin, healthy skin and perfectly formed arms and legs. How exciting must that have been? And one of them, the Samaritan, he's so excited that he stops in his tracks, turns around and goes back to Jesus. Now, we don't know whether he did go to the priest later on, we're not told that, but he, he forgets about that and he just goes back praising God in a loud voice, Luke tells us, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He just couldn't contain himself. He, he had to return to thank Jesus for this life-changing thing that had happened. And what does Jesus say? Were not all ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give thanks except this foreigner? And there's a, a, an implication, isn't there, in, in, in what Jesus said, that the others, the Jews, as they might, they might have had more reason, really, to go back. And, and give, give praise and thanks. But note what Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
Now, what was different about that from the faith of the other, uh, the other nine? They all went. Was it simply the, the magnitude of this miracle that this man had, had experienced, because he was a Samaritan as well, that he had to express his, his praise and thanks and acknowledge the part that Jesus had played? Jesus touched his life. He would never be the same again. The other nine had just had faith to do what Jesus had told them to do. He had faith in the man that had told them. Jesus tells him, your faith has made you well. What a, what a richness in that word, isn't there? Not your faith has made you better. You know, better is you're not quite as bad as you were before. But your faith has made you well. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear those words from Jesus? Paul, Ellie, Rob, Claire, put your own name there. Rise, go, your faith has made you well. On the human level, we can, we can think of a number of different ways of, of saying thank you. We can do it with words, a letter, a phone call, a, a, a chat over a cup of coffee. We can do it with a gift, a present. That can sometimes show our thanks. Uh, we can do it by returning the favour. One, one good deed deserves another, the phrase goes. But how do we say thank you to God for his gift? of Jesus to us. We have a, a debt of gratitude we can never repay. A writer, Christina Rossetti, wrote the words to one of the Christmas carols we were singing not long ago. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what I can, I give him. Give him my heart. And that's all we can give, in a sense, isn't it? But it's everything. He doesn't want gifts, uh, presents of no significance, really, to God. He doesn't really want words. They can be cheap. What he wants is a life changed. A life which acknowledges our huge debt to him by its focus and by its direction and by its purpose. You remember the parable that Jesus told of the two sons asked by that, their father to help in the vineyard? And one said, no, I won't. But he did. And the other said, yes, I will. But he didn't. And the question then was, which of the sons did what his father wanted? And the answer given was the first. The implication being that it's not so much our verbal response that's important, but the lives we lead. We can talk the talk, they say, but do we walk the walk?
there was a line in uh, one of the songs that uh, Eddie led us uh, in this morning. Your faithful love has turned us around. Your faithful love has turned us around. I thought of that sheep, really. Your faithful love has turned us over. Sometimes it's put us back on our feet. So we're going to share communion now. And if there's, there's anything that, that I've said that's impacted you or, or, or God has spoken into your hearts this morning, then as we take communion, take the opportunity of rededicating your lives to him. It's the only way that we can really show our gratitude, isn't it, for what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, I know this is not going to be physically possible for, for, for some of us, um, but there are a couple of mats down here, and as you come this morning, if you feel you're able and you feel you'd like to, please kneel, and uh, there are some uh, slips of paper on the table with, there with, with a simple prayer on, and if you'd like to take the prayer and kneel and pray uh, here at the front, as you take communion, then please do. Uh, if you'd like to take a slip of paper back to your chair and pray it there, uh, then do that as well. Um, and as we come, let's rededicate our lives to the one who turned us around and turned us over. Amen. may have been a special time for you this morning. I hope it, I hope it was. Um, and just to conclude, to read some verses from, from Romans, because when you've humbled yourself, when you've come in, in humility and kneeled at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, at his feet, we can say, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Oh. Thank you very much, Paul. And indeed, I think you probably were the only person that could have delivered that talk in that way today. I definitely haven't flipped any sheep over any time recently, but... No, I think um, the, yeah, your unique style made that come uh, come right for us, and we really do thank you for that. I think it's quite appropriate that the passage that um, Paul focused on was a passage about healing. So Martin's got the oil down in that corner over there, and um, Kaz, Martin, myself will be over there uh, at the end of the 
at the end of our time together if anybody wants um, prayer for healing. Um, I think, actually, it would be appropriate to close today by reading uh, the prayer that Paul put on the table for us at the front. So um, I'll do that. I'll change the words slightly to cover us rather than me. Um, and then after that, we'll uh, we'll close our time together today. And as I say, please uh, come to the side uh, for uh, prayer for healing if, um, if that's what's needed. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him, we offer our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit to live and to work to your praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, that brings to a close our formal time together and uh, I hope to see people downstairs for lunch.